just give one more impassioned plea for you to come to Veritas this coming Saturday. And maybe you're tired of even hearing about it already. And I know that it's a big commitment to, to come for six hours, or even if you come just for the morning or the afternoon session Saturday. But this is an important moment in the life of our church. Uh, you've heard me say enough times up here that the church today is in trouble. And I don't mean Zion per se. I mean church big C is in trouble in the, in, in the United States. And many of you probably have other friends and family members who are part of churches right here in Jamestown. And many of, the, many of those churches are in rapid decline. The church in America is in rapid decline. It's in trouble. And, uh, you know, there's a kind of a tyranny in living an unexamined life. And I think that's also true for the church. We need to look at who we are, look at the state of our church, the health of our church, and moving forward, think about how can we be healthier and more vital. So um, I, I hope that you love the church enough and care enough about the church that you want to engage in that conversation. We need you. This is your church. We need your input. I'm not guilting you into it. I'm begging you to be there. Uh, this is important. This is an important moment in the life of this church. And this is a great resource. So I'm asking you to be there, if at all possible. If you can't, I'm not guilting you for not being there, but come if you can. So that's that. So today is the last uh, message in this series on what it means to be a, a healthy missional church. And just as there are things, I sort of started the series this way, just as there are markers in our own lives, things that, de that determine really uh, the our own physical health or perhaps mental health or emotional health, just as there are markers in our own lives that sort of define those things, there are also um, markers that, that designate or indicate the health and the vitality of the church. Um, and... Uh, not, and they signal whether a church is not just th thriving, uh, whether the church is thriving or simply surviving. The fact that we are on this journey doesn't mean that there aren't already good things happening here at Zion. There are. It's a, it's a good church. Uh, we're at a good point to be having this conversation. But we don't want to take for granted where we are. We want to be intentional about moving forward and looking at the health of our church there's tremendous value in examining ourselves and addressing those areas, perhaps, where we are lacking in health. We've been rehearsing the definitions of healthy missional every week. Jay did it last week for you when he preached. And as a reminder or hint, both definitions begin with a P, P word, pursuing. So I'm going to ask you to reach back in your memory. Think for a moment. Hmm, what does healthy mean? What does missional mean? Okay? So here it is. A definition of a healthy missional church. Health is defined as pursuing Christ. Good. Excellent. Wait. John Michael, you're on jumping the gun there. And missional is defined as pursuing Christ's priorities in the world. There it is. Okay. And, and then there's another statement that is not, it's not, I think Jay called it a tagline last week, but it's, it's really, it is a tagline, but it's also unpacks for us what, does, what are those priorities of Christ that we want to give ourselves to. It is God wants lost people found, 
and hurting people helped. Yes, very good. Wow, you're getting this. So you're, gonna, you're all set for Veritas. Um, the final marker of a healthy missional church is what is called sacrificial and generous living and giving. If we are a healthy missional church, people's priorities, passions, and pocketbooks will be transformed. Of course, it implies that we are helping people discover and develop and employ their spiritual gifts and that we are regularly and unapologetically teaching about uh, giving, financial stewardship. The model of Jesus uh, himself is, of course, um, our motivation, who lived and gave in sacrificial and generous ways and who called his followers to do the same for the sake of the lost and for the sake of the hurting, for the sake of the kingdom. So as we begin, would you just pray with me as we begin? God, you give and you give and you give and you call us to do the same. Help us to give and share freely and generously. Make us, make us, Lord, like Jesus, willing to serve you and others, even as in Christ you served us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture this morning is Romans chapter 12, first eight verses. I invite you to turn with me there. In fact, I think we'll read that together once again this morning. Romans chapter 12, first eight verses. While you're turning there, um, this is a great place to begin because it picks up where Jay left off last week uh, with his message on heartfelt worship. By the way, Jay did a great job last week. I listened to the podcast, and, uh, but I think that he needs more experience preaching, don't you? There it is, yeah. And he really does love it. No, he doesn't, but <laughs> it was a great message, though. So in our scripture, the Apostle Paul, as I'm reading it for you, listen, he, um, Jay talked about worship last week, but Paul even broadens our understanding of what worship, it is, what worship is. It's not just what we do on Sunday morning, but it is really all of life. It is the way that we live and give and um, uh, in the way that we respond. Putting it in Jay's words, a single point last week, worship is not about us. Uh, but it is about responding to God, who He is, what He's done, and what He has promised. And the same is true for our living and our giving. It is done so out of a grateful response for who God is. So let's, hear God, let's read together God's Word. Romans 12, 1 through 8. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. 
If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. So Paul begins by calling us to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. We are to give, the bottom line is this, we're to give the whole of ourselves, our minds, our hearts, even our bodies to God in service to Him. And he mentions, Paul mentions the word transform. Something changes in our minds, something changes in our hearts, something changes in our very will so that we want to serve God in a new way. And then Paul launches into a body metaphor in verse 4. He says, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. The church is the body of Christ, and each of us has a role to play. Every one of us has been given gifts by God's Spirit as He determined. We didn't pick our gifts. The Spirit of God did. And Paul mentions just a few here. He says some of his examples, prophesying, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leadership, and mercy or helps. And there are additional lists in other scriptures, in at least three other scriptures, there, there are uh, more examples of spiritual gifts. And none of those lists are intended to be exhaustive, more illustrative uh, of the diversity that is found in the body of Christ. If we are not using our gifts, we are not only robbing God of worship, but we are robbing each other because we belong to each other, Paul says. We owe it to God. We owe it to each other to step up, to show up, to serve in sacrificial ways that build up the body, that strengthen the church, that extend the kingdom of God. The hands and feet of Jesus. The hands and feet of Jesus need more than hands and feet. They need eyes and ears, noses, organs, limbs. We are one body made up of many parts, and each part has a role to play. Body metaphor is a useful and, uh, and is useful and illustrates the diversity of Christ's church as well as the unity and the mutuality that is found in the church. We are one, but we are not all the same. We each bring our unique gifts, temperaments, passions, perspectives, and experiences for the building up of the church. We serve not alone, but corporately. We are dependent upon each other, which is mutuality versus a kind of individualism. We are bound to each other in one body, and better together, we are in it together. Now, while most of us understand this, it bears repeating because sort of the consumerist culture around us has crept into the church, and churches are sometimes plagued with more consumers than servants, and it hinders the church's effectiveness. Being part of a local church isn't only about um, how you are served, 
but a venue for you, a place for you to serve. And it isn't only about what you are receiving, but also about what you give. We are in this together, not for our individual sake or even for our collective sake, but for the world's sake and for the sake of the gospel. We are much more than a community of consumers. We are called to be a society of servants, people on mission for God. Churches that hope to be healthy and missional cannot be so unless the members of the body understand body ministry. That we are, listen, all called, all equipped, all gifted, all empowered, all graced to be a blessing to God, to each other, and to the world. It doesn't matter how old or young you are, whether you are rich or poor, whether you are busy or bored, you have something to contribute. And Paul urges us to offer ourselves all that we are and all that we have as living sacrifices. How we live and give is to be a response, Paul says, in view of God's mercy. Because of who God is, because of what He's done, because of what He's promised. It's an act of worship. We are to offer ourselves wholly and without hesitation to God's purposes and plans. Churches that are healthy and missional have members and attenders who are regularly making adjustments in their lives to serve, to live, and to give in ways that strengthen the church and that extend the kingdom of God. Healthy missional churches are blessed with people who live and give in sacrificial and generous ways that bless God, that bless the body, and that bless the world. Let me share a couple of examples of individuals with you that I've known who have inspired me, blessed me, and blessed the church by their, uh, by their sacrificial and generous living and giving. Early in my ministry, I was uh, uh, part of planting a church in southeastern Michigan. I was the founding pastor. And uh, there were, um, the church was literally started by nine of us, four couples and myself. And the nine of us made a commitment to each other and to God for the planting of that church. Each and every one of us gave sacrificially and generously as did many others who joined the church as it continued to grow. The church grew quickly from nine of us to 90 by the end of the first year. One of the original couples of the nine were friends of mine, still are friends of mine, Paul and Michelle. Paul at the time managed a large account for Nabisco, which was pretty cool because uh, he would share with us uh, new products on the market. It was a bonus. Paul was an elder, and he was also the treasurer of the church. And Michelle, even though they didn't have children at the time, Michelle managed our, uh, our um, uh, nursery, which was busting at the seams. And Paul was often winning awards and getting accolades from Nabisco because of his hard work. And eventually, seeing the promise in him, his employer, his boss, called him in, and they wanted to promote him. They wanted, wanted him to move up the food chain. And... Uh, take on a, a new position, a higher position with more pay, but it meant moving to another state. Well, Paul turned down the promotion. 
a limiting career decision. And he told his boss that he had made a commitment to a new church plant, a commitment to support it for at least three years, not only financially, but also by his involvement, by his investment, by his service. Paul and Michelle's initial commitment and their continued sacrifices encouraged and inspired me and others. Over the course of my ministry, I have seen many others make significant decisions for the sake of the kingdom of God. People feel moved and prompted by God to make adjustments in their lives and with their finances to participate in God's work. In healthy missional churches, this sort of thing happens often. That's one of the definitions. That's one of the marks of a healthy missional church. Not that it just happens once in a great while, but it's actually something that happens frequently. You regularly are hearing of people in the church who are making those kinds of decisions in their lives. People make decisions to serve and give, and often those decisions are marked by sacrifice and generosity. And by the way, sacrificial and generous living and giving begins with the small and daily decisions. I mean, if you're not faithful in the little decisions, in the daily decisions, if you're not faithful in those, you're probably not going to take on some of the greater challenges, some of the greater opportunities. Let me share another story with you. That same couple, Paul and Michelle, Paul has the gift of giving. He is generous as the day is long. When he and Michelle got married, they both decided together that they were going to live beneath their means so that they would have the means to be a blessing to others. They would be freed up in their finances to be able to bless others. They both uh, tithed to the church as well as supported numerous other ministries. One year when Paul went to his tax accountant, uh, who happened to be my accountant also at the time, uh, Paul went to his accountant and... Uh, Accountant's name was Brian, and Brian said, Paul, he chided him. He says, you're giving too much away. Well, Paul walked out of that meeting with, with his accountant, and he said literally, he stood outside the hallway of the door of his accountant, and he thought to himself, uh, how can I give God less when he's given me so much? And so he decided there and then he wasn't going to give any less. He was going to continue giving faithfully and generously as he had been. Two days later, I kid you not, two days later, his, his boss calls him in and gave him this significant pay increase. Kind of amazing. Now, I know that there are many stories like this in the church, even here. Many of you, I'm sure, have similar kinds of stories. And if, and if Paul were here, he would tell you that, that God is faithful and that he can't outgive God. And many of you, I know, have discovered the same in your own lives. I happen to know, um, as I said, I, I think there's, those kinds of stories are here as well. We just don't often hear them. We don't share them. But I knew Paul and Michelle's story because Paul did, from time to time, share with me his experiences of God and God's faithfulness. And by the way, his sharing with me, I'm grateful that he did, always in a humble way. But his sharing with me his own experience and practices blessed me personally because it inspired me and challenged me to become more faithful and generous in my own living and giving over the years. I don't think I 
had the gift of giving. I don't know if I still do, but I find great joy in giving now. I find joy in being generous now. And it is largely because of Paul and Michelle's example in my life and seeing how God was at work in them. It inspired me. Um, an added benefit, by the way, of giving uh, biblically, proportionately, and regularly is that the rest of your finances just seem to fall into place. That's been my experience. You would think, well, if, I, if I'm giving this money away, how, how am I going to pay all the other bills? There's, something, there's, there's a biblical principle here. There's a kingdom principle here that when you give God the first and the best, somehow the rest works out. It just does. And I don't miss uh, what I give away, and I even find joy in giving, especially when I do it as an act of worship. Grateful to God for his provision, trusting him for my daily bread, and making eternal investments in the kingdom of God. The more you give away, the less stuff and money has a hold on you. And, and by the way, just a plug again for the financial meeting with Roger after this service. Uh, again, as Roger said earlier, I, I know this will be true. You will have takeaways from that gathering, even if you even if you're not even interested at this point in thinking about money or your future or your finances or your retirement and all of that stuff, I guarantee you're going to have some walkaways there that are going to help you get your own house in order. So encouragement for you to just show up for that this morning. So let me just mention also briefly motivation for sacrificial and generous living and giving. The best motivation is our response to God who he is, what he's done, and what he's promised. Unfortunately, I think many serve and give from a sense of duty and obligation, religious devotion to appease God, or maybe even fear of what might happen if they don't give or they don't serve. But that's not the kind of living and giving that brings joy to the heart of God or will even bring joy to your heart. Rather, the only lasting and meaningful motivation is to serve and give Truly, in response to God. We give because God gives to us. We give because God is generous. Generous with forgiveness, with love, with patience, with salvation purchased for all and extended to all. We serve because God serves. We serve because we are made in the image of God who is our helper. Jesus is the servant of all, giving his life for all. The king of creation modeled for us servanthood, sacrificing, stooping, serving, surrendering, not for his sake, but for the sake of all. Our Savior Jesus served us, and he calls us to carry on his work in the world. He sends his Spirit, who equips us with gifts, passions, and kingdom pursuits. Each of us has a gift or gifts that are to be used for the building up of the church, build, used for the extending of God's kingdom. The church is handicapped, and an added burden is put on others when we do not serve or give as we are able. Many of you have probably have heard of the 80-20 principle, right? Where... Uh, this is, this is typically true in most, most churches. 20% of the people give 80% of the budget. And 20% of the people do 80% of the work in the church. This is, a, 
this is not only true in the church. This seems to be true also in other organizations and institutions, if you will, uh, in the world, in, in society. Just seems to be the pattern. And by the way, even here at Zion, I, I want to think, as much as I, I don't know this for sure, because I haven't looked closely at the numbers, but my guess is that more than 20% of this church is doing 80% of the work, if you will, okay? That we're probably a little higher than the 20%, I'm guessing, because there are many of you that are serving in some capacity here at Zion. But interestingly, on the giving side, last time I saw the numbers, which was a few years ago, these statistics, about 80% of the income of Zion comes from 15% of this church. That's concerning. That's not healthy. So I, I want to say this too, that while this is a uh, sort of a sociological, a common human or sociological phenomenon in, in most any organization, I think it should be different in the church. The church is a supernatural community, not bound or dictated by sociological norms. Perhaps this is in part why Paul says in our scripture this morning, to not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but to be transformed. The church is the body of Christ. It is mystical. It is miraculous. It is a supernatural community of God, indwelt with God's Spirit. Sinners, yes, but sinners who have been declared saints and called to eternal endeavors. There is a dynamic, and energy, a response in us to the gospel, to who God is and what he's done and what he promises to do that inspires, that ignites, employs, equips, and empowers us to sacrificial living and generous giving. Somehow I think that if we're healthy and we're really connected with God, that 80-20 principle isn't going to be so much a factor in the church. We're to be transformed. We're to be above that, better than that. I'm going to close with a challenge this morning, and it may seem, might seem a little crazy. First of all, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to the many of you who serve this church or who serve in our community in too many ways for me to even recount. Thank you for your faithful service. And I apologize if you don't get enough accolades or thanks or encouragement in the ways that you serve. But I want to say thank you. God is pleased with your service. And I pray that you are serving, um, even sometimes sacrificially, in ways that when you finish, you finish well. And God says, well done, good and faithful servant. And I want to thank those of you who give faithfully and generously. All of you who give. Again, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your trust of God. And, uh, and my challenge to you is this. Since this coming Saturday is in part about evaluation for our church, I want to encourage you this week to do your own evaluation, your own examination. Look at your serving, the ways that you serve Christ and his church or in our community. Look at the ways that you serve and ask yourself, what is my level of commitment? What is my level in, of involvement? If I am part of this body, how am I functioning in ways that are blessing the rest of the body? Can you do that this week? Take time to evaluate or assess how you are serving in the church with your gifts and your time.
Would you do that this week? Even in preparation for Saturday as we evaluate where we are at as a church. And my second challenge to you is this. To also look at your giving. Look at your income and look at what you give. And determine whether your giving represents biblical giving. I won't be embarrassed to tell you that the Scripture holds out the tithe, 10%, as a principle. We're not going to be legalistic about it, but I'm just, I'm just sharing that with you. Because typically, churchgoers, even evangelicals, we give on average 25 to 3.5% of our income. We talk about being biblical, but we're giving 25 to 3.5% of our income. I just want to challenge you to, to look at your income, look at what you're giving. Does it represent generous giving? And here's, here's the crazy part of the challenge. And we'll remind you of this over the next two Sundays. In November, I'm encouraging this entire congregation, every one of us, to tithe, to give 10% of your income in the month of November. If you want to go back to your 2.5%, fine after that. But for the month of November, I'm asking this church, every one of us, to look at what you take in and give 10% of your income to the church. And if at the end of November, you go, oh my goodness, I can't feed my family, you let us know, and we'll have the business manager cut you a check for your offering. We'll give it back to you if you're missing it, okay? Is that crazy? Yeah, yeah. I'm doubting that any of you will ask for it back. And you'll have to go through down Pangborn to get it. So. <laughs> so anyway, so there's the challenge to be intentional about um, don't be haphazard in your living and your giving. Look at how you serve. Is it sacrificial? Look at how you give. Is it generous? That's it. Let's pray. God, again, we thank you for the ways that you have served us, for the ways that you give to us. And God, we ask you to, uh, for, that, for your own image to be renewed in us, God, for, for Christ to be made new in us so that we live and give as Jesus himself did for us. God, we pray that you would, uh, that you would empower us and give us boldness and trust you, God, to be able to step up and step out and trust you in ever greater ways that bless you, that bless your church, that bless this world. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.